Welcome to the Red Alert podcast. I am your host today, Cindy Berry. Joe Chap is unavailable, but that's okay because who I am bringing to you is even more exciting. So all of us in here in Hockey Town know uh, Mr. Hockey, and that is Gordy Howe number nine. Now, unfortunately, uh, Gordy has been gone for a while, but we have the very next best thing, and that is his son, Dr. Murray Howe. Good morning, Dr. Howe. How are you this morning? Good morning, Cindy. I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, your dad is an absolute legend, obviously, in the NHL. But here in Hockey Town, you know, he holds a special place in our heart because he was here for so many years and has really helped to contribute to the whole identity of what it means to be a Detroit Red Wing. What was it like growing up with Mr. Hockey? Uh, it was it was like the best thing ever <laughs> when you're when you're a little kid and you don't have anything to compare to you just kind of assume oh you know sure everybody's you know dad is amazing like this and plays hockey and is so much fun to be around and and you know it's not until you grow up and you you uh have your own family and you go through life you go wow I was so fortunate to have the parents that I had. Uh, both of my parents, honestly, were just the 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 best parents you could you could think of. Just because they really loved us, they really uh, prioritized us, and uh, they every fiber of their being was dedicated to enriching our lives and giving us the tools that we needed to you know to navigate life and to enjoy life and just get the most out of it and um they just had they both had just such great attitudes towards life they they had they really lived with a with a uh, a, a mindset of gratitude that every moment every day was a gift and should be uh should be treasured and should be uh cultivated as much as possible to just make the most of that day and that every moment was an opportunity to enrich other people's lives. And so they just basically spent their time and energy just looking for ways to make people's day, including our, our day. So it was just such a, it was such a, uh, a great way to grow up because every day was, was exciting. It was always an opportunity to like, what are you know? What's going to happen now? Or what are what are we going to get to do? Who are we going to get to meet? And of course, it was it was a very Cinderella like um, uh, situation for for me and for all of my siblings because we'd always have famous people coming over, and we you know we'd go to the Wings games. I mean, we just the, we didn't ever have to show a ticket. We just walk in all the all the security people, you know, and ticket takers knew us and they're like, Hey, you know, whatever. And then we'd be running around Olympia, uh, you know, in the back hallways. And we, we like owned that arena. Um, and, uh, you know, in a, in a, it was our home really. And it was such a natural thing to, to be there with my dad when he's getting, you know, surrounded by fans and just to watch him, how he, interacted with people he just loved people and he would you know sign i mean he would sign and he was always the last person out of the building at olympia 
signing autographs and just mucking around with the crowd. And it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, sign something and then move on to the next person. It was like, you know, if you were a little kid, he would lift you up by your ears, you know, and <laughs> turn you upside down. And, you know, it's amazing that, you know, people weren't afraid that, you know, Gordie Howe was going to drop their kid or hurt their kid or whatever. And, uh, you know, but he just, he cared that much about people that he was never shy to do what he thought would make that person's day. So for kids, it was always about wrestling with them and that type of thing. And, and just saying silly things. I mean, if you saw a boy, he would, you know, like, you know, call them a girl's name and, and <laughs> vice versa, you know, just to get their goat and get them going. And, and so he made sure that every person that met him would remember that, you know, that experience. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was just so great that way. And my mom was the, the same way. I mean, you would never know that, you know, she was Gordie Howe's wife when she was just hanging off in the, the, you know, the, the, the hallways at Olympia, anyone could come up to her and just say hello. And, you know, she wouldn't, you know, let on who she was unless, unless you asked, cause she just, you know, she was just a regular person and, and she was interested in, in what you were doing and, you know, why you were at the game and, who was your favorite player, this and that, you know? So anyway, it was, yeah. it, it was, it was really a, a you know, a, a Cinderella upbringing. And I, and I'm grateful every day for having the parents that I had and having the siblings that I had. I mean, it was just, you know, it was really a, a, a an amazing uh, childhood. <laughs> well, in one that I think any one of us uh, would uh, love to to have that amazing experience and thank you for explaining it so well i almost feel as if i was there and one of the things i would like to ask you about because it's something that in the modern game uh or in modern day a lot of people talk about and that is that a lot of the old ice rinks are going away like olympia people talk very fondly about olympia and then of course we had the joe and then that became you know kind of the 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 heart beat of of Detroit hockey of where everyone came to watch the game and now we have LCA and it's not that LCA isn't a fabulous uh event space it is except for they say you know it's not like the old Olympia it's not like Joe Lewis it's not like the old hockey rinks it doesn't have that hockey ring feel it's an event venue did your dad ever make comment about the the changing um like venues and hockey did he ever say like this isn't you know i'm playing in a place it's not like the old rink i mean the, all the, they still had all the old rinks back then but he played over so many decades did he ever mention anything about the changes in the the types of uh rinks that he had to play in well he was a very positive person and he was he always welcomed change um he he always looked for the 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 advantages of any of any change and so as the as the game evolved and as the arenas evolved he would always point out that wow you know we have a little bit of space more space behind the net now you know that the the uh the sheets of ice were a little bigger and the corners were a little uh more rounded rather than rather than squared off and he says you know that gives you that gives you space to be able to scoop that scoop that puck out a little bit easier without being kind of trapped in there. And uh, back in the day, they actually had uh, like chicken wire, you know, above the above the boards rather than plexiglass. And, you know, he said that was terrible because people would, you know, stick their 
fingers and, you know, stick their whatever little things through the, you know, through the, the fencing in the, in the uh, opposing arena. So, and he said it was very dangerous and it was not a good scene. So each, each upgrade he actually enjoyed and the arenas are, are now larger. So, and he said, wow, like all the, the music and the, um, the, the tight camera shots on, you know, a player's face or whatever, you know, he said that just, it, it, it really makes the game more exciting for the players as well as for the, the fans. Cause you, you, you know, it's, it, it's a spectacle, not just a, you know, he, he felt like for himself on the ice, it was always very exciting because he was, you know, he was in the, in, in the melee, but kind of for the, the fans, it, it was a lot harder to appreciate everything that was going on. But now, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the technology has changed so that people are very much more into the experience that, you know, the players are going through the, you know, the, the feelings of the hit and, and with the highlight, you know, reels now, you can really appreciate the, the power and the beauty of what's happening on, on the ice. And, you know, he's, he had the opportunity to sit in many, uh, boxes and, and, and eat at a restaurant, you know, during a game. And he, you sure. know, he would just comment like, wow, isn't this, isn't this something, you know, that, that, uh, you can, you can, you know, he said, I could just live in it. <laughs> you know, Olympia, as cool as it was in terms of the memories and things, you know, it was a very dank, you know, dirty place. I mean, they had rats, you know, running around I mean, and it, we know that specifically Jeez. because my dad as, as a, um, uh, when he, as a, well, when he was trying out for the team, um, they didn't have enough room at the hotels. So they asked for volunteers to actually sleep under the bleachers, um, wow. in cots. And so my dad was the first one to volunteer because, you know, and growing up in Saskatoon, he was like, he just felt like he had died and went to heaven just to be able to be staying anywhere and have an actual bed instead of sleeping on a floor. So, uh, you know, but he had a rat run right over his, you know, right, right over him in the middle. Oh my gosh. So, Who would have thought that, that, that Gordy Howe would have to sleep with rats running around? Oh, oh yeah. And, and, you know, and I know, I know, yeah, I know that story well because, uh, I talked to one of the players from Saskatoon that actually went down to the tryout with him. There was actually 17 players and, uh, um, blanking on his name now, but, um, but anyway, he he uh, he said, "Yeah, your dad was the first to volunteer." He said, "So we were all we were all down there, and we had flat. They gave us flashlights, and so that's how we saw the saw the the, the rats." And that that uh, that gentleman, um, his name will come to me later, but I think I actually talked about him in the book. But he was actually a goalie um, for the same school that my dad went to as a as a kid, and he's the reason that my dad got out of uh, net and played played wing because when my dad went to that school, um, you know, this guy said, you know, I'm the goalie, so you can't be the goalies. <laughs> so we said, I guess I'll play out. So uh, my dad owed it all to him for, for being a, a right winger. <laughs> well, thank God for that, for all of us, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you you mentioned you know, your dad was known as to be a physical player. Everyone knows this and it had tremendous physical strength. Um, has, did your dad ever make comment about the changing game as far as uh, how it became maybe less 
how it's become less physical and is now more of a speed game. Did your dad ever mention anything about that? Or what do you think your dad would think about the modern game? Well, you know, he, he was first to admit that, you know, the players were stronger, faster, um, and, um, you know, uh, more physically fit and prepared. Um, you, you know, back in the day, hockey was a, it was a, a nine month a year sport. And, uh, you, you know, the rest of the time you'd, you'd play golf or whatever to try and stay in shape. And they didn't have the technology in terms of, you know, fitness regimens and, you know, weights and stretching and, and, and all this stuff. So pretty much everybody did, did things on their own. So when the players came back to training camp, they were typically overweight, out of shape. And, uh, he, he wasn't, but many of the players were, it, it took a lot of discipline to, you know, to stay at the, you know, at the top of your game in the off season. So, you know, he says now, you know, the players were just, you know, they're so big, so strong yeah. and so skilled. And he said that the things that they're doing, um, you know, the way they can scoop the puck up and, and uh, do dipsy doodles, you know, he just, he just said that that just, you know, that's just amazing that, you know, the sticks are better. All the equipment is better. Um, he said the only thing that he missed as the game evolved was just um, as players, um, uh, you know, all started wearing helmets and, and face shields and this and that. He said, you, you lose some of that kind of banter, some of that kind of camaraderie because you, you're, you know, you're a little bit more removed from the emotions of the player's face. So he, he felt like in some ways that players would now take liberty, take more liberties at another player because they kind of just, all they were doing is staring at the back of a helmet rather than saying, oh yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's Teeter Kennedy, you know, there or whatever. And, and uh, so it, it kind of felt like in some ways it's almost a bit more dangerous because there's a little bit less reverence, you know, towards, you know, towards the uh, one another. So it's kind of ironic because people say, oh, it's a safer game now, but, you know, he, he would say that uh, it was actually a safer game you know, back in his heyday because, because there was a little bit more, a little bit more respect or reverence, you know, amongst the, the players because they didn't have a helmet on and you just kind of, you know, you knew you were going to kill them if you, if you, you know, put your stick into their neck in the boards. Uh, so, but, you know, I, I, I think overall he would just say that, you know, the game is more exciting to watch and, uh, you know, definitely more, more skilled and, and, you know, he, he's all about um, entertaining the fans. He recognizes that it's, it's, it's not just a game. I mean, it's really sports are entertainment. And so whatever makes it more exciting for the fans is, is you know, is, is, is a good thing. And he just felt like the, the skill level and the increase in goals um, is, you know, it's more fun to, it's more fun to watch. Well, certainly. And, you know, although your dad did suffer a pretty significant injury um, and missed the majority of the playoffs, uh, even though they went on to win the Stanley Cup uh, with a significant concussion when he tried to, uh, I forgot who he was trying to check, but he tried to, to make a check and, um, and had that significant concussion. Um, did your dad ever say anything about how he felt about missing those playoffs? Did, I mean, obviously, you know, I think he would have liked to have played in them, but they won the Stanley Cup anyway. But, um, did, did your dad ever mention anything about that particular period? Yeah, he he said it was the best thing that ever happened to him. 
Really? I said, why? And I said, you almost died. He said, it just, it just made me want to get out there even, even more. He said, just sitting in the stands and watching, you know, my teammates, you know, out there on the ice, he, he just said it, it made me so much more appreciate being able to be out there and not, not ever taking any of that for granted or, you know, going through the motions. And uh, so, and I think that, you know, that, that uh, played out in the following year, he was the leading scorer and, you know, led them to another cup and he was just on fire and which is the opposite of what I would have done <laughs> or right. what most people would have done with this just said, I'm just not going to play anymore because I don't want to die. Uh, but he, he, he did not have any fear. You know, he, he was all about just, you know, get me out there. Let me, let me give me that opportunity and I'll show you what I can do. And uh, so, no, he, you know, it really galvanized his, uh, his, his passion for the game. That is amazing. You know, something that some people may not know about your dad is that he was ambidextrous. Um, and now was your dad ambidextrous? Was could he write like uh right and left handed as well, or did that just it was that more of just a hockey thing? Um he he I never actually he could write with his left hand, but not as not as well, but he could definitely, you know, definitely do any task with both of his hands just the right hand was a little bit better for, you know, cause writing you do so often, especially for, for him signing signatures, sure. um, but he could clearly shoot as well, you know, right-handed or left-handed. He could bat both ways equally and he could throw a ball both ways equally, which is just, I've never, I've never seen anybody do it. And the, the irony is it's, it was the, what allowed him to do it was that he was poor <laughs> and okay. he was poor you know, if he got a baseball glove, he, it didn't matter if it was right or left, he was going to learn to use it. And the same thing with a hockey stick, he would he'd go into the uh, old Saskatoon arena and the players would give him their used sticks. And so whatever one they gave him, he was going to learn to use it. So that's how he learned to shoot both ways. So now when you were growing up with him, obviously, and you talk about, you know, the, the off season and then you've got, you know, people kind of get out of shape, but not your dad. And uh, they say your dad was, didn't really lift a lot of weights. Uh, did he just stay very physical in the off season? Did he just like play a lot of hockey with you guys when you were kids? And how, how did he stay in shape? Because he was in amazing shape all the time. Yeah. He never lifted a weight in his life. And it's, it's astonishing because when he was 36 years old, um, he was named by uh, Vic Tanny had a award for the most uh, the, the, the best physique, you know, best built man in the world or whatever. And he, <laughs> he won that at 36 without, without ever lifting a weight, which is, to, you know, and of course no steroids, no nothing like that. You know, he, he, he was truly gifted with a, with an incredible physique, but he also honed it and he, and he honed it by never sitting still. He, almost never watched television unless there was, you know, some guests over that wanted to watch a hockey game or whatever. But other than that, you know, he, he just didn't watch television. He was always looking for something to do a lot of shoveling. That was one of his favorite things was shoveling. Like if you, if you had a dirt pile, he was so excited to get, oh to get into that. Oh God. And he would do that. Like, you know, it was tough to hang with him because 
if you would start a project, you know, it would go until it was done. I mean, you'd go for nine hours straight shoveling or whatever. And he just never seemed to get tired. And, uh, um, you know, lifting anything, moving stuff around, cutting down trees, you know, you name it. He would look for things to do, sweeping, you know, raking, whatever it was. He never, he never stopped. And, and you might feel like, oh gosh, sweeping wouldn't, you know, wouldn't ever build you up. But if you sweep with a heavy broom for, try doing that for like two hours straight <laughs> and you'll, and you could see how it starts to, you know, build up your forearms and your shoulders or whatever. And from the time he was a young man, he, he uh, left school at uh, the end of grade eight, which I thought, oh, wow, that's, you know, really, you know, terrible that he did that. But I later learned that in farming communities like Saskatoon, that was very typical that most of the boys left school after grade eight and would work on the farm. So, so he, he left school and started working uh, road construction with, with his father. And he was stronger than any of the other, you know, men that were working on the crew. And he'd be hauling, you know, 50 pound bags of cement, one in each hand, um, you know, carrying around and carrying railroad ties and, you know, mixed stirring concrete. So he got huge really, really early. And so he was just able to maintain that, that muscle mass. I mean, he was 210 pounds when he was 14 years old. Wow. So tall. So he was just a, a monster. And, uh, um, but yeah, he, he would, he, he never sat still. And he also, um, just always was really good with his diet. I mean, he would have, you know, he would allow himself some ice cream and this and that, but he, you know, every day made sure that he was eating, you know, a broad variety of foods and, you know, a lot of fruits and vegetables. And, uh, um, you know, he, he just, you know, rarely ate junk. And, uh, so yeah, he was just really good at taking care of himself that way. So when at home, uh, we talked a little bit about this pre-show before we uh, got online here. Um, you know, what was your perspective when you were growing up playing hockey? What was hockey like in your household? Because I mean, obviously for your dad, it was a job, uh, but it was also clearly much more than that for him. It was a passion for him. It was almost a life, just a way of life. Um, for him. But when you were with at home with your siblings playing hockey with dad, was it just, we're just getting the opportunity to spend time with dad, having a good time. It was more of a family event. Or were you aware that you're playing, you know, hockey and, and, and it was, this is what dad does for a living and he's teaching us or uh, things of that nature. What, what was it like? Was it more of a game or was it more of a, I don't say a prep school? <laughs> yeah. No, so one thing that my parents did that was really great, I, 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 you know, I hope that every every parent can take this to heart, and that was that my parents felt that their job was just to support us and to encourage us to follow our passions, whatever they were. So they never said, you know, you got to play hockey or this or that or whatever. And so we always had the opportunity to, if we didn't want to play hockey, we could walk away from it in a second or anything that we were doing. They were, they would be 100% in support of that. And my dad always just, you know, said that like, if it's not fun, then do something else. Like it was, you know, he said, life is too short to waste time doing something that you're, you're not enjoying. Find out what you're, what you love and then go full bore into that. Um, 
our our house our home was really a shrine to hockey um, we all just because everything was there and it was all we ever did we just all learned to 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 love it we had little hockey sticks the you know like the, the foot and a half long things mm-hmm. you know in in the kitchen in the family room in the basement so that pretty much at any given moment you know my brothers and i or whoever friends were over you know we would have a, a rolled up sock and we'd be firing that ball around and knocking you know lamps over and uh <laughs> and you know we had so much fun with it and my my brothers were both very competitive and they were they were huge, uh, huge guys. They were like my dad in terms of that they grew early and were super strong and just really accomplished athletes. They were playing sports against players that were three years older than them and and dominating. Um, so for me, because I was five, I was five and six years younger than my older brothers. They just seemed like giants to me, and so it for me it was just always a mission to try to like score one goal against these guys when we were playing little hockey or whatever. And then I would be, you know, I'd be over the, over the moon. And of course they would, you know, flatten me and, you know, just like they, 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 they took no mercy, you know, they, <laughs> of course me. they were older brothers. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it was, and you know, as, as hard as that seemed at times, it was really good because it just taught me to just never quit, never die, you know? Um, but anyway, you know, dad was, uh, uh, really good about, he just loved, if he saw anybody playing anything, he would just jump right in and of course, totally, totally dominate the, you know, thing. But it was really good because when we were playing driveway hockey or family room hockey or whatever it was, he would, he would possess the puck, but he would never score, right? He would always set up another player and let them score. You know, he'd deke the goalie till the goalie is like flat out, can't, you know, no chance of, of stopping anything. And then he'd pass it to someone else and let them score. And so it was really fun when we play father-son hockey games, you know, when I, once I was on a regular team, you know, it was so fun because he would just skate through all the dads and get the get the dad goalie down on the ice. And then he'd pass to one of us and we'd dump it in, you know. The oh, dad. that's great. But for, yeah, for dad, it was all about fun, you know, and so we, hockey, growing up, you know, especially at home and driving hockey, that to me was just one of the greatest joys because there was no, there was no pressure or, you know, oh, I'm going to make a mistake or whatever. You know, it, for me, hockey was, it was just one of the, you know, it, it was the highlight of my childhood. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't until it became more of a business kind of once you get up to like, you know, midget level, you know, junior level where, you know, they're starting to talk about being a pro and all that. And the, the stakes are much higher. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot more people kind of taking, taking cheap shots at you. And, um, you know, I'm a smaller guy. I mean, I'm five, six and 140 pounds. So, um, you know, as we got up to those ages, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, you know, it was, it was, it became a lot more work because I, you know, I got knocked out, you know, once I'm like, uh, yeah. that was not fun. And, uh, you know, there was a lot more pressure to, to fill, fill my dad's shoes and my brother's shoes. And those were tough. Those were tough skates to fill. Right. So, uh, that, that's when kind of the fun went out of it. And, and, and later on, you know, as a, as a, as a grown man, I, 
did a lot of coaching of my own kids because I wanted to make sure that they had a really positive experience in soccer or hockey or whatever, where they weren't feeling pressure to win. And, you know, they weren't, you know, going to be stuck on a bench because, you know, this other player is a superior player. I want to make sure that they just learn to love the game, learn the skills or whatever. And so I always played all my players equally. If they were showing up for practice and trying hard, they would, you know, I would, you know, I would give them equal playing time and try to, you know, encourage them to be super creative and just learn, you know, the, the, the fun of the, of the game, which is trying to trying new things and, and all that. It's not about the win. It's about, you know, it's about making something really exciting happen out there, making a memory because you realize after you get older and I, you know, all of my friends that I played hockey with now, you know, none of us ended up playing pro, but we have these fond memories of all the fun things that happened on the ice and off the ice together. And that's, you know, that, that is the, you know, to me, the greatest priority for our, you know, for our kids is to leave them with some great memories and, you know, teach them some values instead of just trying to turn them into pros. And then, you know, they don't make pro like most of us. And then they say, what was that all about? You know, that they, they missed all the fun because they were, too focused on just, you know, well, getting into the, you know, getting a scholarship and getting in the best team and this and that. And you just realize that, you know, the, the game shouldn't be designed where you're trying to just make everybody into a pro. It should be designed that this is a part of enriching your life. So you become a really great contributor to, you know, to your community through the things that you learn in growing up with sports. Sure. You know, and, and what you said brought up two questions I'd like to ask you. And one is um, you talked about pressure, you know, as it becomes a business, it becomes pressure. And your dad made everything look so easy. You know, uh, just being the points leader, being a scoring leader over and over and over again um, for that, you know, that period of time in the early 1950s in particular. Um, did, did your dad ever express or did you ever hear him? Uh, talk about feeling pressured. It, was there always this anticipation of this pressure every season that, well, you know, he's won three in a row now, you know, he need, you know, needs to do another one? Or did he ever feel pressured uh, of the business of the game? That's my first question. And then my second question is you also talked about, you know, being with your friends on the ice and having fun. And everyone knows that um, obviously your dad was part of the production line with Ted Lindsay and Sid Abel, and they just seemed to have a natural chemistry. Was that something they had to work at, or was it a natural chemistry, and were they friends off the ice? I know it's a lot of questions, but pick one. <laughs> sure. So we'll start We'll start with the first one. Um, you could use my dad as a model for sports psychology, um, just the way that he approached his life and approached the game. He was remarkable in terms of showing up every game physically and emotionally. I think he has the record for the least number of, uh, well, the, the highest percentage of games played in a season, you know, for his, for his career, even though he had injuries, he could play through them because injuries just happen no matter what, you know, what you're doing, especially if you're the leader of a team, you're going to have people taking shots at you all the time. So sure. you're going to get injured. But he just had a, 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 an approach to his 
preparation and all that that allowed him in both pre and post game um, that allowed him to be able to recover quickly, to be able to work through the injuries and still play or whatever. So that was remarkable. But even more importantly, just the attitude that he had about the game allowed him to always play well. I mean, he just never had a bad game, whether he was sick, whether he was sore or you know injured or whatever. He never had a bad game. And it was because for him, he would say it was the love. He said he never played for the money. He never played for the fame. He played for the love. So he couldn't wait to get out there. For him, it was just playing a game with a bunch of guys. And, uh, you, you know, with that, with that approach, you're always excited about it. And you don't ever um, take to heart what happens in the game in terms of if you win or if you lose, if you win, you don't look in the mirror and go, wow, was I all that tonight, you know, or whatever, because he, you know, he knows you're only as, you're, you're only as good as your last game, right? So sure. you, you, you can't ride on, on those coattails. So that's why when he scored, he would rarely like really celebrate, right? He would just a, a mild, you know, raise the stick overhead, just to kind of let people know, yep, pucks in the net. And then that was it. He would he would he would not think that he was all that. In fact, he took the opposite approach. He was always concerned that he wouldn't make the club every year, even when he was the leading scorer you know, in the MVP. He would he would come to wow. training camp ready to rock and not take anything you know anything for granted. So he never took himself too seriously. He always came in with humility and. So when they did win the cup or win a game or whatever, he never coasted after that and said, okay, yeah, I know we're, you know, we're at the top now or whatever. It was always just, you know, next game's going to be like for him, it was he'd playing for pride, right? He, he wanted every fan in that, in that arena to see him play and go, whoa, that was incredible. You know what he brought there, you know, tonight, he wanted to make it a show. And it, um, similarly, if they would lose, he would not have his head down, you know, saying, oh, blah, blah, blah. Because for one thing, it's a team sport. So whether you win or lose, it's it's not just about you. It's about the, the, the whole club. So he would always be, you know, the first to give credit to everyone else if they won. And he'd be the first, you know, if they lost to say, well, yep, it was, you know, I, I could have done more, you know, you know, whatever. Could it, it didn't go our way, blah, blah, blah. But he would never dwell on that. And especially, um, you know, whenever I would take a shot and, and hit, you know, open net, hit the post, you know, puck goes in and loses opportunity. I'd be so frustrated. Ah, you know, he'd say, Murray, never worry about the, the, the shots that don't go in. He said, as long as you're getting opportunities, then you're in the game, you're in the hunt. And that's all that matters. He said, honestly, in the end, it's not up to you. It's up to God whether that <laughs> whether that puck goes in because there's times that it went in yeah. that it was not at all the intention, you know, and times it didn't go in when, you know, everything, it should have gone in than that. So he would never dwell in it. He would never take a stick and bang against the boards like if he missed a shot or, you know, missed an opportunity or whatever. He always brought the same, you know, enthusiasm and, and, uh, and, and joy to it. And because if you start dwelling on the things that are not going your way, you're, it's going to mess with your head and you're not going to be able to 
to bring that that creativity, that relaxed, you know, uh, uh, mindset that you need to 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 have fun. If you're not having fun, you're not going to be you're not going to be playing, you know, your best. And he would point out to me, you know, as a kid, like I said, God, Dad, I'm just, you know, like not doing well or whatever. He said, Marie, you're just thinking too much. Stop thinking and just start playing. Just have fun out there. Just try some stuff. Don't worry about what you're, you know, don't think about what you're doing. Just do it. And he was so right. Cause I, and that's, you know, that's why I do much better in medicine than I do in hockey because you need <laughs> to think in medicine. So, you know, I, I, I love to think and thinking is not a good thing in sports. You got to just react and feel it and, 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 and immerse yourself in it. And um, so anyway, so that's, you know, that's how he approached it. And I, I think it's a great lesson for anybody uh, playing sports is, is just uh is just keep the joy in it, keep the fun in it, and don't you know, don't overthink it, and don't think too much of yourself, and don't think too little of yourself. Just you know, be feel feel fortunate that you can you know that you can um, that you can um, you know be participating. Um, the the second question, just in terms of the chemistry with his you know fellow players, and especially with the production line. Um, you know, he was very close with Sid Abel and with Ted Lindsay. Ted was one of the best mans in his wedding. Sid Abel was really uh, his mentor, took him under his wing. Sid was from uh, Saskatoon and he used to play, uh, you know, he used to uh, he used to carry Sid's skates to get into the arena when Sid was playing junior hockey. And, and my dad was just a little kid. So he really looked up to them both. And, and uh, yeah, my dad's uh, um, honeymoon, um, Sid, Sid and his wife went with my mom and dad down there. So, um, yeah, they're all, they're all very close. A lot of respect there. Um, and, um, they worked They number one, they all loved the game equally. So that was, it, you know, that was, um, a big part of their success is they just were all playing for the same reason, which is, they just loved it. And number two, um, they practiced it a lot they would stay you know they would arrive before anybody else at the practices and work on stuff and then they would stay afterwards and work on stuff they were constantly saying what if we try to bounce the puck off of this board in this direction and blah 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 so a lot of stuff that looked like it was random it was actually very much rehearsed and uh so they were kind of two steps ahead of most you know most other teams just in terms of in terms of what the, the things that they were trying to do so uh, so many people loved watching your dad and he no doubt was a draw um who did your dad enjoy watching oh boy uh i would say he enjoyed watching watching us the most he enjoyed watching his kids uh, especially my brothers because they were <clears throat> they were just such skilled players um, but in terms of professionals, you know, he didn't seem to, to me, I don't remember him watching many games unless somebody else was watching it and they would ask him to, you know, they would ask him to watch. Um, I think because he really just kind of wanted to be out there. <laughs> so, yeah. he, you know, if you want to torture him, just have him sit on a bench, you know? Um, so I, he, he he didn't make a pastime of watching other you know of watching other players or other teams play um but if he did watch people um he was drawn to um 
toughness or skill. Um, so he loved watching Gretzky play because the skill level was just insane. You know, he just said, man, if I could, if I could, uh, if I could stick handle like that guy, I would have scored a lot more goals, you know? Um, I mean, Wayne could stick handle or thread that puck, you know, through the goalies, you know, legs, like, you know, no one else. And, uh, um, so dad, dad always admired that, that kind of skill level and many, many players obviously are playing, you know, like that now, uh, you know, Connor David and guys like that. It's just, it's, 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 it's so fun to watch. So he appreciated that, but he also appreciated toughness. He loved to see a guy that just, you know, was making sure that, uh, everybody was, uh, you know, um, respecting each other out on the ice. So if you'd see a player, you know, taking, uh, liberties at another player, then, you know, the guy that would come in to, you know, level the playing field, he would, you know, he would applaud that. He's like, you know, that's, that guy had it coming. <laughs> and, uh, yep. you know, he, he, it drove him crazy. If he saw a player run away from, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a shy away from a check or whatever, you know, he said, if you're shying away from a check, you just shouldn't be out there because it's not, you know, it's uh, it's this is a this is a, this is a physical game and you you've got to play it. He said the way you do that is you go in harder than the other person. You don't you don't hold back. If you hold back, you're dead. And uh, so anyway, so he he always appreciated the toughness and he appreciated the players that sacrificed themselves. You know, especially you know playoff time. You know, you're you know laying down in front of shots or doing whatever's necessary to stop, you know, a goal or doing whatever's necessary to get that puck into the net. So he, he loved to see players that were really dedicated to the, you know, to the team uh, and uh, dedicated to, uh, you know, the, the, the game. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we've spent quite a bit of time this morning and I want to thank you for that uh, because uh, I know that, uh, in your in your medical practice i know you're a very very busy physician and i appreciate you taking the time i was wondering if you can just kind of close us out here with you wrote a book about six years ago uh the nine lessons you learned from your dad and um i think you've kind of sprinkled them a little bit throughout our our conversation here this morning but uh what can you leave folks with that uh from your book what's what's the one lesson that your dad taught you that you'd like to leave with us this morning Sure. There's so many, you know, I like people always say, well, you know, why'd you call it nine lessons? I said, well, you know, obviously because, you know, Mr. Hockey's number was number nine. We all wanted to be number nine, you know, growing up. But I said, there's probably 999, you know, le lessons in the, in the, in the book. And all of them are equally important. But I would say if you, if you could wrap it all up together and say, what, what is the, the secret that allowed Mr. Hockey to be so remarkable. And when I say remarkable, I don't mean that he was an amazing hockey player, but he was remarkable because he was so accomplished in hockey, but was so humble and so eager to serve, you know, every person that he met, you know, that's such a rare, rare thing. And what allowed him to do that was, was gratitude. And even though I didn't list gratitude as one of the nine lessons, I think you could, you could um, summarize all the nine lessons into 
a, uh, you know, an attitude of gratitude where he was so grateful for everything that he was, you know, given, you know, he was so thankful to God for giving him, you know, his parents and giving him this incredible talent to be able to play something that he, you know, that he loves so much. Um, but also gratitude to all the people in his life that um, helped him along the way to be able to, um, you know, become a pro hockey player and also to be able to allow him to be able to uh, place for so long and have such a great family and, um, and to be able to reach so many people and inspire so many people. He just, he, he, every moment for him was, you know, was, was fueled by gratitude. He just had this endless willingness to say yes and uh, be helpful and um, be uh, fun, um, you know, for people because he just felt like he was just trying to give back for all that he had in his life. And I think if we drill down to our own lives, you know, we don't have to be uh, great hockey players to to be great in the way that Gordie Howe was. We we just have to have a willingness to to understand our own talents, be grateful for everything that we've been given, and use those to impact other people in a very uh, powerful way. And we all have that ability to do it. It's just about slowing down your day just enough to take a moment, give somebody a moment to make their day. And uh, it can be as simple as just a, a simple kindness, a smile, helping somebody with directions, whatever it is, we have those opportunities to, to do that with each other. I think that's a tremendous way to end uh, this podcast today. Again, thank you for being with us. And I hope we'll be able to talk again sometime in the future. That sounds great. It was wonderful to, to, to chat with you, Cindy. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Howe. And uh, for all those who are listening, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, all of your social media platforms, all of the podcasting platforms. Um, we welcome you to follow our page as well, Red Alert Podcast. And here, perhaps again from Dr. Howe, uh, Mr. Hockey's son, who is now uh, out there saving lives. And um, I know dad would be super proud of that. So um, we invite you to follow us for all the Detroit Red Wings news that is happening here as the season progresses. We're having a hope still that the they will make the playoffs. And um, you can never, never stop believing. That's what I like to say. So um, thanks again. We, everyone have a great day. And we'll see you again on the Red Alert podcast. Thank you, Cindy. Bye now. Thank you.